Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Abdul. Nothing personal. Word of the day is Abdul, as in Paula Abdul, the singer, as in the song Opposites Attract. Because opposites attract. You take two steps forward, two steps back. God, I have the worst voice. I was thinking what could be the word of the day that would have any relation to what went on this weekend, what's going on in the world of sports what's going on in the world of COVID. And all I kept thinking about was every time we take two steps forward, we end up taking two steps back. And then it hit me. I've danced to that song. So the word of the day is Abdul. Paula Abdul. Why am I saying two steps forward, two steps back? Because that's exactly what happened. Let's bring you back to the weekend events. It's a Monday morning. It's a Monday afternoon. It's a Monday evening. Today is Thursday. If you're listening to this show on Thursday, who cares what day it is? Just thanks for listening. Everything's going fine. We've got basketball starting in on July 30th or 31st or 30th or 29th or 30th or 31st. They're going to the bubble. NFL training camps getting ready to roll end of July. We're getting in there. We got golf playing. We have NASCAR races. Things are happening. Baseball. (laughs) Baseball is what? We're ready to. No, we're not. Now we. No, there's definitely a. No, there's no deal. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on is positive tests. Friday afternoon, Philadelphia Phillies, five. We did it live. We did it live on nothing personal. I guess it's live to tape. Live, five players, three staff. All of a sudden, Astros, Diamondbacks, Tampa Bay Rays. You're closed. You're closed. You're closed. It was like what happened after Rudy Gobert tested positive on March 11th or 12th. I think it was 11th. All of a sudden, NBA stops. Then Major League Baseball. Then all sports. Done, 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 done. We're done. Rumors. Facilities will be closing. Why is this important? Because in baseball, what was going on is there were a lot of players in Florida, which, as you know, is the absolute epicenter of coronavirus. But don't worry, it's only impacting people under 32 years old now. We're in the clear, except if you're a player. So they're going to their facilities, whether on the west coast of Florida or the east coast of Florida. They're trying to get ready because while there is no economic deal, there's going to be an economic deal. While there is no health protocol in place, there's going to be a health protocol in place. There's going to be spring training starting immediately. Three weeks is all you have. And then that's it. Regular season, July 4th. No, no, July 15th. No, I think it'll be July 19th. No, no, it's really now July 24th to July 27th. Huh? 
Who's sick of it? I am. Who's tired of the back and forth? The players are going to vote. The players aren't going to vote. The facilities are open. The facilities are closed. You need a scorecard. So baseball closed every spring training facility. All 30. Done. Well, there aren't 30 facilities because some teams share facilities. Every facility where every team was working out is closed. But by the way, if you're the Marlins and you have a home park in Florida, the players are working out at the home park at Marlins Park. They're just not working out in Jupiter at the spring training facility, which is amazing because there's really no difference other than eh, 90 miles between Marlins Park and Roger Dean Stadium in Jupiter, Florida. So baseball was closing spring training facilities, but not home facilities. But what if the home facilities are right near the spring training facilities? How is it remotely possible that there were activities going on in Major League Baseball facilities without health protocols in place? Well, I know for a fact it's true, and it can't be. Hey, we have an idea. Come here. Come here. We're going to play. Wilson, we're going to play. We have to stay six feet apart. And when we come into the facility, we're going to take your temperature by pointing a thing at your forehead. Ding. Oh, good. You're 97. You're good, Wilson. Hey, fill out a questionnaire. Have you been around anyone with COVID? Huh? He hasn't. Have I? Just you. That's the questionnaire. Have you been around anybody with COVID? Do you feel sick? If your temperature's okay, welcome to the clubhouse. Welcome to working out. We're only going to have a few coaches. We'll only have a few players, but it'll all be good. Where's the testing? How is it possible that baseball or any other sport has allowed any athlete into an enclosed space to start working out to get ready for a season without testing? It's mind boggling. It's dizziness inducing. It's impossible to believe. But it's true. So all of a sudden, people are testing positive because they're feeling sick. So then they give them the test. That's good. Hey, I'm sorry you broke your leg. Let me take an x-ray. I see the bone protruding through your shin, but we're going to take an x-ray just to make sure. Hmm. Yeah, that looks pretty broken. Oh, you're right. That's not a good example. Why? Because coronavirus, the bone is not protruding through your skin. As a matter of fact, you feel just fine, but you still have it. Now you may be asymptomatic, which is then celebrated by certain people politically or spiritually or medically saying, if you're asymptomatic, who would know? Well, test, but it doesn't matter. But if you're asymptomatic, can you then pass the virus on to somebody else who may not be asymptomatic when they get the virus? Hmm. Yes, you can. So baseball decided We're closing them all. We're going to clean them. Huh? Okay. You're going to, you're going to clean the facilities. What were you doing before? I'm frustrated. I'm tired of it. Either be consistent in your protocols and give one crap about what you're doing and do it right. Or don't bother. Just don't bother. What, are you going to take a little Windex and spray the jock straps? Oh, look, there's a little schmutz in the shower. Okay, the next four guys can come in and shower. Yeah, don't worry about those are just little hairs. You're fine. You're fine. It's a little pee-pee. Don't you worry. We don't have to clean that. I've seen how it goes. I've been in clubhouses. 
So the players union has a decision to make and they're trying to decide all weekend long. Are we going to vote to agree to what the owners have said is the agreement? 60 games, universal designated hitter, expanded playoffs, a few other provisions and provisos, and that's the agreement. The players wanted 70 to 72. The owners said 60. Vote on it. Are you in or are you out? All weekend long, CBS. Samson, be ready. Samson, be ready. We know that you, you're always ready because you're always doing nothing. So just be ready to put on a blazer and a jacket because there's going to be a vote. I said, they're not voting on Father's Day. No, no, that's the rumor. We have, a, we have insiders saying it's coming this weekend. I said, all right, I'll be ready. I'll be ready. Oh, we got news. No vote on Sunday. But wait, there was going to be a vote. No, there was a call going on with the players when all of a sudden Rob Manford did one of the smartest negotiating tactics you could do. He knows the players are having a meeting. He sends an email yesterday, which would be Sunday, five days ago, if you're listening to this on Thursday, where he says to Tony Clark, dear Tony, this is Rob. I was just wondering that I've heard that you may be concerned about no season in 2020 because of COVID-19. And I agree, we've got a serious situation. But if there is no completed season in 2020, dear friend, Tony, I promise that we will renegotiate anything for 2021 regarding expanded playoffs or universal DH. We'll start again. Lest you and your players think that we have an incentive to cancel 2020 because of these amazing economic benefits you've given us for 2021, like the expanded playoffs. Tony Clark sees the email. Tony Clark says, ho, everybody stop. Put your hands up. Hands off the keyboard. We will not be voting now. Let's look at this offer. This is interesting. No, Tony, let me translate for you. What Rob Manford did to you yesterday was an outstanding tactic just to get you a little bit confused because by saying that you can have your expanded playoffs back in 2021, but you're also not getting the universal designated hitter. Guess what? It's about a wash for baseball, a totally neutral offer. Everybody's saying that's baseball just stalling. There's no stalling. Coronavirus has made it so baseball would not be going on right now, even if there were a deal. How many times are you going to ask me to say this? How many different ways? Baseball would not be going on right now. Spring training would not be going on right now. They've got to get these positive tests under control. They've got to clean these facilities. So the players, they get the offer from Manford. Sort of a new offer, not really a new offer. It's a little bit of a new offer. It's sort of an email. I actually went on CBS yesterday, HQ, CBS Sports HQ, and I said that Tony Clark was in the middle of his meeting and he looked at his phone and it said, you've got email. And I blew the joke. The joke is an old movie with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. It's obviously, you've got mail. I don't know why I threw an email. It was such a boomer move. So the players didn't vote, but now the rumor is 
that a vote is imminent. CBS Sports HQ said, get ready, Samson. We're going live right now. Oh, you got a nothing personal episode? All right, just be ready. We're going live because vote's coming right now. Ah! (laughs) There was no vote. It may come later today. What's the significance of a player vote right now? If the players vote no, then MLB decides, are they going to impose a schedule or are they going to negotiate further and get to a point where the players can vote yes? If the players vote yes, does that mean the negotiating's done and spring training starts a week from yesterday, two weeks from a week ago, one week from the day after tomorrow? Do you get my point? No one knows the actual date because they got to actually clean the facilities, figure out what they're going to do with all the positive tests, figure out where they're going to have spring training because it's not going to be in Florida, Arizona. It's got to be at the home parks unless you are Florida or Arizona, in which case it is at your home park, which is in the states where you're having a problem, much like California and also Texas. Oh, okay. How's Georgia? It's fine. So, A yes vote by the players doesn't mean that there'll be a 60-game season so everyone should get excited. What it means is they would then have the basis for an economic agreement. Then they would have to figure out the health protocols. Then they've got to figure out if they can even play. Breaking news alert. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. There's been no vote right now. Breaking news. There are still people testing positive. Further breaking news. The NFL has closed their training facilities also. One last bit of breaking news. Orlando, Florida, the NBA bubble, is a Petri dish just like South Florida and Broward County. The bubble season is going to have an issue. It really is, right? But don't worry. They've got the aura ring. Do you remember we did an entire... uh, We did an entire segment on, I don't know what day, it may have been Friday, on this new aura ring where the players wear a ring and it gives them, remember I did the pulse oximeter where I was at 99 and my pulse was 67 right now. My guess is at 72, though I don't have the oximeter with me. I keep it next to the bed and I take it before I go to bed every night along with my temperature. So listen, this aura ring, I want to be a part of that. Except now we're finding out it's optional for the players to wear. It's not mandatory. And we're further finding out it may not even work. As a matter of fact, there was a player who tested positive at a PGA event. He found out he tested positive because he took a test. He took a test because he was wearing one of these aura rings, except it wasn't aura. I think it was a whoop whoop band. Was it a, is it really called a whoop whoop? Whoop. Isn't that a song, Coca? Here it is. Here it goes. Or whoop. There it is. Whoop, whoop, band. There it is. I've got COVID. I don't know how this ends, guys. Yes, I do. We're on nothing personal. We're here to give you solutions. And we're here to tell you what we think is going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Sports like golf will continue. Getting team sports together this quickly, I think, is a long shot at best. The players will eventually vote on this agreement, the 60 games, and I believe they should vote yes, but will likely vote no, but they could vote yes. Every single talking head has been telling you which way they think it's going to go, what rumor they're hearing. I haven't heard a damn rumor. It's not my job. I'm not sourcing. 
We'll tell you what happens after it happens. We'll tell you why it happened and whether or not it was a smart move that it did happen. Meanwhile, what are players actually doing to stay ready? Some players are hitting in batting cages on the baseball side. We saw, do you remember, do you remember that, uh, that game of horse that they showed on, on TV where the uh, NBA and WNBA players and, and uh, retired players like Paul Pierce, they played horse. And so some players had an outdoor basket. There was one player who had that indoor hoop where he was hitting threes from. He may have even been the one who won. I can't remember who won. It may have been Trey Young, but I can't remember. Mike Conley won. And uh, was he the one who had the inside court? Who can know? But anyway, there's a definite advantage for players who have the ability to train with a real hoop. Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat was rumored to have sent a basketball hoop to all of his teammates. I don't know what that means. If you live like on a 30th floor condo in Miami, where exactly is the hoop going to go during quarantine? But now players are beginning to go back into facilities as they get ready for the potential bubble. Something came out yesterday that caught my attention. Anyone heard of Steven Jackson? He's a big time shoe guy. Rich, super rich. He has a mansion in Bel Air. He actually built the exact replica of the Staples Center court in his house. So just to be clear, it's not a half court. It's an actual court that looks and feels like you're at Staples Center. Pretty cool. Then rumors came out yesterday that the Lakers have been working out on this court with LeBron James. Hmm. That's a violation of the rules. The NBA had not been allowing workouts during the course of the quarantine. Is it possible that all the Lakers got together and played pickup games to stay ready because LeBron wants to win his fifth title? Or is it fourth? I think it's fifth. Could be fourth. Doesn't matter. He wants to get closer to Jordan. Why do I keep mixing up? He won one with Cleveland, and he won two with the Heat, so I think he's won three. So therefore, he's trying to win his fourth on his way to six. This was his, really as good a chance as any with the Lakers. If I'm the NBA, I got to deal with this issue, and here's why. Remember in the last dance when Michael Jordan was filming Space Jam? And remember one of the perks that Jordan had during the filming of Space Jam is they built him an indoor court on the grounds of the movie studio. I think it was in California. Do you remember in The Last Dance when a lot of other players went to play pickup basketball games with Michael Jordan so he could stay fresh and ready during the course of that offseason when it was being filmed? I remember all of that. And I remember thinking to myself, that's very cool. And that's very much within the rules. And that shows great dedication. Now, 
Is it an equal opportunity pickup game? No, because you have to be invited by his highness, Michael Jordan. Now, he did invite players other than those on the Bulls because he craved the competition, and that's the way to stay sharp is to play with players who are as good or better than you are. Jordan could never do it, so he had to play with the best of the best and just say he could have incremental sort of growth in his stay in shape. LeBron James is in a similar situation. He's trying to stay in shape. He's got an older body. He doesn't want to stay in quarantine. He likely has an indoor court. I shouldn't say that. I've never been to his place. It's, a, it's actually a, play, a house I've never been to in LA. The assumption is there's some sort of court, but it's not the Staples Center court. And there may be too much attention given if you had a lot of people in the driveway in LeBron's neighborhood. So is it possible that all these Lakers went to Steven Jackson's house and played on the secret replica Staples Court in the middle of his Bel Air mansion? If you're the NBA, you've got to look into this. To me, this is as serious as PEDs, and this is as serious as sign stealing by the Astros and the Red Sox and the Yankees and every other team. Now, before you take this as a bad take, let me explain why it's not. The whole point of PEDs and sign stealing and why it's an issue is that what leagues try to do is make sure there is a level playing field where the biggest differentiating factor is the talent of the athletes and the talent of the front office, those people putting that group of athletes together. When there's quarantine and there's a rule that there will not be anybody working out, that's because there are many players who don't have access to either a Bel Air mansion court. They're not invited by LeBron James. They don't have the ability to have a half court or a full court in their own homes. They don't have the ability to go to a local YMCA and have a key and open the door and start taking shots and having workouts. And certainly, they're not taking the chance to actually play as a team and make sure that team chemistry stays the same. Why is this so critical? Because when the NBA starts, there's only going to be, in theory, at best, eight regular season games, and then right into the playoffs. So any team that can get its act back together and play the way they had been playing, they will have an advantage, a definite advantage come playoff time. You think the Milwaukee Bucks wouldn't want to get to keep their team and keep their momentum rolling and have practices as a team on a court? Do you think the whole team is in Milwaukee? Do I think the whole Laker team is in L.A.? I think if LeBron James says, hey, we're having some practices here on the replica Staples Center court of Bel Air Mansion and shoe magnate Steven Jackson, I'm going to need you to be here at 4 p.m. on Wednesday. Guess what? The players are going to be there at 4 p.m. on Wednesday. But now you're telling me, well, wait a minute, Dwight Howard came out with a statement saying it's very important that we don't think about coming back. We may want to come back. We may not want to come back, but we have to really be focused on the social injustice that's going on, take this time to be with families. So did all the Lakers practice, but not Dwight Howard? Or was Dwight Howard practicing while preaching that he may or may not want to go back to the bubble? This is an issue for the NBA. They're going to deal with it. Now, they may deal with it by doing it quietly, not wanting to draw attention to it, but if the Lakers come out and they start winning and winning and winning and the Clippers don't and the Bucks don't, you're going to hear about this again. Mark my words.
I put, so you want to talk to Samson here. And uh, I'm wondering whether it should have let off the show. Coke and I agreed that it shouldn't, but it could. And maybe it should have. We didn't know. Yesterday, Bubba Wallace, who is a NASCAR driver, was in Talladega, Alabama, where there is a race. And there was a noose. Bubba Wallace is black. There was a noose found in his garage area at Talladega. I've never seen the sports world so united in its disgust, disdain, anger, frustration. And rallying around Bubba Wallace. NASCAR did a statement about how unacceptable it is, how they're going to bring to justice and find who did it. There's rumors it was an inside job. Does that mean someone at NASCAR? There's got to be cameras in these garage stalls. At least there should be. What struck me as interesting is I was thinking about NASCAR. NASCAR, as you know, just eliminated the Confederate flag. Somebody rented a plane. Let me make sure that you're with me on how this works. Do you know those planes when you're at the beach and the planes are, they're carrying like a sign behind them? So somebody rented a plane and talked about defunding NASCAR, talked about basically how wrong it was that NASCAR is not allowing the Confederate flag. I think we're all pretty clear on who NASCAR fans are, where their base is. I think we're all clear that no one was surprised that there was a noose found in Bubba Wallace's stall in Talladega in Alabama. This is not a general statement that every NASCAR fan's a racist. This is a reality that on a percentage basis, purely anecdotally, there are more people who are fans of NASCAR who do not necessarily believe in the whole Black Lives Matter movement or in any sort of racial equality other than the equality of their own race and the superiority of their own race. This is not groundbreaking. You're not getting this from nothing personal as though you've never heard this from anywhere. This has been going on for decades. So instead of piling on the way everybody else is, instead of taking a sad tone the way everybody is, every media member's getting on and taking advantage, leading off the show, what a nightmare this is. It's not surprising. We knew this would be. What are they going to do? Let's find the person. Let's rally behind Bubba Wallace. Let's drive our cars around the track with him one time in solidarity. That's a bunch of crap. This isn't about showing solidarity to Bubba Wallace. It's about appreciating the fact that change may be starting to happen. But if you think that it's just going to happen overnight or over the course of five days, seven days, two weeks or three weeks of demonstrations or riots or protests, that's not how it works in the world. If it worked that way, then Martin Luther King would have accomplished everything he set out to do and that'd be the end of it. 
The reality is that issues like this, that what happened in Talladega are going to keep happening because until those racists die, there will still be racists who are trying to make sure that the white race stays supreme. This is the first inning of dealing with this issue. The object of the game is to stop other people after they are born from turning into racists, which means you've got to get the racists all to die from old age or whatever they're going to die from. Then all of their children, you have to hope that you can break the chain. People are saying the person who did this new should be ashamed of himself. How can he look himself in the mirror? You people are all missing the point. Do you know how he looks in the mirror and what he says? He's congratulating himself, kissing his bicep because he's doing exactly what he wants to do because it's how he feels. He doesn't want Bubba Wallace as a NASCAR driver. You think he's looking in the mirror and saying, oh my God, what have I done? I shouldn't have done that. I totally regret doing it. No, he doesn't regret it. Not in the least. Maybe change started. It's going to take time. And instead of your knee on someone's neck, if all of our feet were on the pedal of change, then maybe we can guarantee its existence in the future. ML Beer Challenge, day 99. Day 99. I can't believe it, Coco. We got to 99. Tomorrow's the last day, not of the challenge. We're going to grow this beard until there's opening day, whenever that is. But for the first 100 days, which are coming to an end, it's $1,000 per, per charity for 100 charities. Saturday was day 97. We gave $1,000 to the Education Trust. For the first 77 days, we had done COVID-19-related charities. For the last 23 days, We're doing some charities that are involved in social injustice and awareness and education and voting. I'm going to do a couple of charities that are meaningful in a different way today as well, which I'm going to mention why. But the Education Trust is a, basically it's a trust that believes in the transformative power of education, which is critical. It all goes back to what we originally talked about, which is having the platform and then being willing to change and then making the right decision because you actually have a decision to make. And these organizations give kids the ability to choose a path as opposed to having one chosen for them. The Education Trust fights for public education system that values children of color and children from low-income communities. It gives them meaningful access to high-quality learning at the earliest ages and throughout their education careers. Critical. $1,000 to Education Trust. That was Saturday. Yesterday, day 98, I had not given back to my alma mater I wanted to give $1,000 to the University of Wisconsin-Madison where I went to college. And I wanted to do it because I loved Wisconsin. I loved every day there, including the days I didn't go to class because it was 30 degrees below zero. Wisconsin has been a campus where there was a lot of protests, a lot of rallies, very activist campus, a very diverse campus, 
fascinating, not just because that's where Back to School was filmed with Rodney Dangerfield, the Triple Lundy. You know what I'm talking about. And if not, you should. I'm not going to tell you to Google it. It's a movie. I just wanted to give back to the school where I went undergraduate. Day 99 is today. There is a program at the summer camp I went to called Camp Interlock and JCC, which is a camp in Eagle River, Wisconsin. It's my happy place. It's actually my favorite place on earth, that camp. The best moments of my life were at that camp to this day. A sense of community, a sense of tolerance, a sense of education, a sense of what it is to get rejected by girls of every age, to get accepted by girls of every age, to sneak out after dark into girls' cabins, to meet on the back road for what we would consider the most salacious activity ever, which was actually just kissing when we were young. I'm giving $1,000 because what Camp Interlochen does is they have a fund where they do scholarships for kids who can't afford the camping experience. There's many kids like that. And while camp has been canceled this summer, it continues on in spirit. It continues on virtually. Day 99, $1,000 to Camp Interlochen. Wherever you went to camp, if you did, Today would be a day to give money to your camp to see if they can stay open through this summer. If you never went to camp, maybe you'll consider a few dollars to be given to your university, to your high school. Something education related. ML Beer Challenge, it's day 99. When we come back, I watched a classic this weekend. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Welcome back. Hard to imagine. I, I do consider myself a movie person. I have a poster 
the 100 movies you have to see before you die. There's a book, the 1,001 movies you have to see before you die. There's a movie on that list that I've never seen, a few of them. I decided to watch one of them this weekend to stay sort of with the theme of what's been going on recently. Boys in the Hood, directed by John Singleton, who unfortunately passed away, the youngest person ever nominated for Best Directing Oscar. He was nominated at 24 years old, two years younger than Orson Welles, who was nominated for Citizen Kane, which we reviewed. Boys in the Hood, I had no idea. It stars Cuba Gooding Jr., the guy who won the Oscar for Jerry Maguire. It stars Regina King, who played Cuba Gooding's wife in Jerry Maguire. Morris Chestnut. Nia Long, who I fell in love with in a movie called Jude with Alf, with a movie called Alfie with Jude Law. They were kids. It's a movie that takes place in South Central LA. It's about the Crips and the Bloods. It's about gangs. It's about death. It's about violence. It's about helicopters. It's about sound. It's about tragedy. And it's from 1991. It's 29 years old. It's as relevant today as it was in 91. It is full of people who had no problem dying of gunshot wounds. Ice Cube, that was his movie debut, by the way. Ice Cube's movie debut, phenomenal in the movie. Absolutely phenomenal. No problem dying of gunshots because eh, my life expectancy is 25 or 30 at best. These are the very people who don't have the choice to make that we're trying to do through the ML Beer Challenge, trying to start by giving people a choice. Cuba Gooding Jr. and his father, played by Lawrence Fishburne, his mother, played by Angeline Bassett, Bassett. Lawrence Fishburne was phenomenal in this movie. It's Angela. Thank you. I don't know why I said Angelina. That's Angelina Jolie and Angela Bassett. Thank you, Matt. The movie was incredibly bothersome to me. It was bothersome to me because of the age of the movie. It was bothersome to me that the progress that's been made, gang-related violence, guns, premature death, what it takes for a parent or a father or a mother to save his or her child from the senseless violence. It's about finding options. And the movie explains how, what it takes for a child or for a person to think that he has an option, for a parent to instill that belief in their child in the midst of death and gun violence. If you've never seen Boys in the Hood, it is critical to see it. Rest in peace, John Singleton. Boys in the Hood. I saw a video this weekend. Not a movie. It was a short video. And uh, Coca, I have to admit to you, I completely forgot how to pronounce his name. There is a player named Dallas Goddard. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. And 
He plays for the Philadelphia Eagles, I believe. And I believe he's a wide receiver, but I could be wrong on that too. He's a tight end. Thank you. And he was at a bar. There is video. And he got sucker punched on video, rendered unconscious at a bar in South Dakota. It's so unbelievable, this video. It's a miracle he didn't die. Just because he's a football player, he got hit in the face. It's worse than any possible hit that could happen on a football field. We don't know what happened before. We don't know what happened after. There's some footage after. We don't know what anyone was fighting about or what they were arguing about. The fact of the matter is, in the annals of sucker punches, it reminded me of Kermit Washington hitting Rudy Tomjanovich in terms of sucker punches. And I got to thinking, what do you do when you're the team president and you get a call? Because the call went, right? So the tight end, Goddard, is out, out cold. At some point, a call comes in to the Eagles organization. At some point, the GM is calling the team president and saying to him, this is what happened. Here's the situation. And it got me thinking as team president of the Marlins for all those years, did I ever get a call like that? And I immediately remembered I did. I did. It was back in 2014. I got a call from Michael Hill, who was then the president of baseball operations who said, David, you're not going to believe this, but we've got a situation with two of our players. I said, all right, what do you got? He said, well, it's two minor leaguers. Chris Hatcher and Sam Dyson got into a fight. I said, all right, I've heard it before. We've had players fight before. You know, what happened? Well, I can only say this. They were at a bar and Chris Hatcher basically sucker punched Sam Dyson broke his wrist. Dyson's out six weeks. What are we going to do? And I said, well, what happened to Hatcher? And he said, Hatcher's fine. You know, a little bit of a sore. Well, did he punch him with his pitching hand, with his off pitching hand? Can you imagine the first thing in my head is, you know, do we have, because I knew Hatcher was a prospect. Dyson was a prospect. Is that really, is that a thing? Hatcher was a converted catcher who we were making into a pitcher. We ended up suspending Chris Hatcher for five games, and here's why. We knew why the fight had happened, but it didn't matter. As a consequentialist, when dealing with punishment as team president, you have to be consistent in your application of the following rule. You may not lay a hand on a teammate. Hard stop. I don't care what the teammate may or may not have done to you. I don't care if you guys have a disagreement. I don't care if you hate each other. You guys make your living with your bodies and your bodies are needed by me to perform at your optimum level so we can have as deep an organization as win as many games. We have enough problems with players getting injured because of activities that take place on the field. I was always intolerant, completely intolerant of any player who got hurt off the field. However accidental that was, whenever I was told it was accidental, I would never believe the player because normally these injuries happen when you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. Anytime you hear a player, when you get a call, oh, the guy tripped down the stairs, he fell down the stairs. 
Remember Salvador Perez of the Kansas City Royals? He was carrying his luggage, I think, his suitcase up the stairs after a road trip. He fell. He hurt his knees out for the year. Really? 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 Mm, Don't think so. So the call comes in, and I remember thinking to myself, are these guys idiots? How can it be that you would risk your career as a baseball player? It's like a surgeon getting into a fight. Why would you do that? Without your hands, it's going to be really hard to do what you do and what you get paid to do. When I was told what the reason was, and I was asked, does that change? I had to be very strict with myself. Because it shouldn't matter when teammates fight, why they fight. We need to explain to every member of the organization, because everybody knew, by the way. Word had gotten out immediately about this argument. Word had gotten out exactly how screwed up Dyson's face was. Word had already gotten out. And we had to make it clear that if you've got clubhouse or outside of clubhouse issues, you can come to us and we'll deal with it. But to think that your only option is that you are going to handle it yourself with physical action, we are going to suspend you. Now, why five games? Because I felt as though five games was the right number because in a minor league system or even as a major leaguer, five games is not a small amount. Now, in baseball, you know that every 10 games is a football game right? There's 160 games in a regular season, 162, 16 football games in a regular season. So the ratio is about 10 to one. So I felt as though five games, right? So every 10 games is a season, five game. Let me try this again. Are you ready? Cut, take five. Every 10 games is the equivalent of one football game. If you suspend a player for five games, that's like saying to a player, all right, you're not playing the first half. Why is that enough? Because when you are trying to set an example for a player and you tell that player, if you don't come to practice, if you don't follow the rules, if you do anything that you should not be doing, we're not going to stop you from playing. We're not going to kick you off the team, but you're not going to get to go out in this first half with your team. That's your punishment. I always felt like that was a good model in terms of punishment. Dallas Goddard is lucky he's going to be okay. It was not a teammate that we know who punched him, though we don't know. Reminded me of the Chris Hatcher, Sam Dyson story. Not the only clubhouse skirmish I've ever seen. The one that was one of the most memorable in terms of the injury that took place because Hatcher clocked him. Okay. By the way, Coca would like me to point out, correctly so, that the person who punched Goddard has now been arrested. And of course, he's from Florida because naturally, because Florida, everything has a relation to Florida. Now, there were no charges pressed in the Sam Dyson, Chris Hatcher incident. Could there have been? Eh, Maybe. All right. One quick correction before we go today. I talked about Bill Cartwright and those aura rings from the University of California, San Francisco, that they're being studied to see whether they work in order to tell you three days in advance whether there's going to be COVID. And I said Bill Cartwright was an alum 
And it was pointed out to me that no, Bill Cartwright actually went to the University of San Francisco, which is totally different from the school leading the Aura Ring research, which is UC San Francisco. Now, is Bill Cartwright the only player of note who went to the University of San Francisco? No, check it out. There may be a number six from the Boston Celtics who did. We're going to be back to you with updates on baseball throughout the week. Stuff's going to be happening because you know exactly what the players are doing on a vote and on a call right now. The owners are sitting there waiting to hear because there's a lot of business going on. And we're only a few days from that business becoming very personal.